Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Why don't you just lift your hands to him again? And uh, his presence is so precious in this place today. I really trust you're connecting with him. You know, a broken heart and a contrite spirit are the sacrifices of God. And um, I just found a great brokenness in my, my spirit here today. Um, I'm so blessed by the presence of God here. So, Jesus, we just ask you, could you ask him that we just continue with him through this time? It's, it's honestly not about Sue and I. I, I, I thank you, Pastor, for so, so great, gracious of an introduction. <clears throat> but it's really about him. So, Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here. And I just pray today, you know, if, uh, if I begin to drift or if we begin to sort of slip out of his grace and his anointing, that we'll just come back in. And I, I really thank you that you've come to this keyboard. You know, in the beginning, Genesis, the Spirit of God was moving over the waters and God spoke. And creation happened. And when the Spirit of God is moving, as is moving in this place, God can speak. And things happen. You know, creation didn't just leave off after the six days of Genesis chapter 1. It's going on in you. It's going on in me. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And he is forming in you the image of his son that got marred, you know, through the fall and through sin. And, you know, as you all have been studying Ephesians, of course, Ephesians chapter 4 just crescendos in that he gave certain gift ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to perfect the saints so that we'd all come into, come on now, <laughs> the full measure and stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hear right now in my spirit, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, and it says, those that believe on him should walk even as he walked. That's a challenge. That's a big challenge. You and I have a call to preach the kingdom to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, and do the greater works. Jesus said in John chapter 14, in verse, <laughs> verse number 12, he said, now come on, let's try to hear it. How many believers here today, do we believe in him? He that believes in me, 
he who believes the same works that I do, the same works, the same works I do, you'll do also, and even greater works. Now, that's your challenge. That's my challenge. And my wife testified, and she said she was dragging her feet in that challenge. And, and I understand exactly what she's talking about because it is costly. I've also dragged my feet because we can get into sort of a, how do you say, sort of leveled off. But when that level off, we're to go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Are you with me? Come on, there's more faith, there's more glory, and there's more faith, and there's more glory, and there's more faith, and there's more glory, and there's more faith, and more glory, until we see him coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and are transformed into his perfect likeness. Father, we praise you today, and we thank you. We really do. For loving us to the end. He loves you to the end. He loves me to the end. He'd not given up on you. He'd not given up on me. He who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in me, he's going to finish it. He will finish it. If you'll yield, and I'll yield, and we'll keep yielding. Jesus said, you know what he said? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Meditate. Take up your cross. I couldn't understand that before. It's just dying out and hearing his voice daily and following. Follow, obey, follow, obey. Hear, obey, hear, obey. No other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey hear and obey. Father, we thank you today. Help me to hear you, hear you, hear you, hear you. Hear and obey. Wait with me just a moment. They learn to wait upon the Lord. Waiting on the Lord sometimes very difficult. Come on. Holy Spirit's here today. Third person came. Who'd been here. Manifesting his presence. You know, it's so mysterious how God inhabits the praises of his people. I don't want to keep you standing. If you want to be seated, please. Or if you want to stand, whatever you like. God comes and inhabits the praises of his people. Isn't that amazing? I don't get it. I mean, I do get it. <laughs> but I don't. When we praise him and worship him, he comes. We build an altar. 
God shows up at altars. He'll show up in your individual altar. He'll show up in your marriage altar. He'll show up in your family altar. If we don't get religious, we are so, we are so, como se llama, inclined to become religious. Religious is we lose the sense of his presence and do in the natural what we've done in the spirit, but we lose the anointing in the natural. It's, it's mysterious, isn't it? The Lord God, our God's a consuming fire. And when we build an altar of praise, he comes upon it. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you want, lift your hands again. Lift your heart with your hands. It says over lamentations, lift up your heart with your hands. We lift our hearts with our hands. And we come before you once again. We wait in your presence. You've delivered us from sin. You've given us a hope of glory. Oh, he called many sons to glory. See, we fell from glory. For all have sinned, and we are destitute of glory. Glory is the problem. Being destitute—excuse me—being destitute from glory is the problem. If you're in the glory, all things will pass away, and all things will be made new, because the glory is. It's Him. He is the Father of glory. He is the God of glory. And it says in Hebrews, He's calling many sons unto glory. I love the anointing, but the anointing's not enough. We've got to have glory. You see, it's one thing to have faith. Faith, when two or three are gathered together, He's here. I believe it. Well, then, you know, you move from faith into some sense of discernment when we worship him, the Lord's in the house. He inhabits the praise of his people. We become his dwelling place. Dwelling place of God. We become his holy habitation. He inhabits our praises and he begins to dwell in our midst and says and over in Zephaniah, he'll rejoice over you with singing. The Lord our God is mighty in our midst and he rejoices over us. With songs of singing and rejoicing, the Lord. You know, you know, I believe. <laughs> you know what, honestly? We got to keep focused. You know what, we're headed. It's to the marriage feast of the Lamb. So we are in, in Spanish, it's called noviazgo. We are in a divine engagement. Your engagement ring is the Holy Spirit, which has been given unto you, which is called the in Spanish, the aras of his promise. Come on, what is it called? It's Ephesians 1. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. You see, it's like the ring of promise. And we're in the, we're in the engagement time right now. If you got Jesus, you're engaged. Paul said it over in Ephesians, over in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 11. He said, now look, he was talking to the Corinthians. He's a little bit shook up with them. And he said, I came over there and I preached to you and I talked to you and I got you all hooked up. 
with the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus. And we're waiting for the bridegroom to come and lift us out and take us away, you see, to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And so these times when we meet with him, which is normally Sunday morning as a corporate group, these are times, now listen carefully, where we ought to hear the bridegroom singing to the bride. And where the bride sings to the bridegroom and we meet together. This is the meeting. <laughs> this is the beginning of the meeting. It won't be consumed until we're taken to glory. But we can have the best on earth now of the kingdom when finally we are consumed in his presence and we sing to him and he sings to us and we're having the meeting getting to know him getting to know all about him and he already knows about us <laughs> he knows everything about us he knows everything about us. He knows everything. But he got us anyway. Isn't that good? Why don't you give him a praise offering, a clap offering, a thank offering. about an engagement. It's all about a love affair. Somehow we get religious. But it's all about a relationship. It's all about a man and a woman. It's all about the second Adam. That's Jesus. It's all about the second Eve. That's us. Now don't talk to the serpent. I'm telling you the truth. Telling you the truth. Eve, you got to listen up. Eve, listen up. You know who we are? We're Eve. We're the second Eve. And over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul, you know, he's talking to him. I want to encourage you to just take some notes because we can't look up every scripture because I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit will quicken verses one after another. And if you just write them down, read them when you get home. If you're real serious about God, about Jesus, about your relationship and your future, we got to be people who dwell in the Word. So the Apostle Paul said to those folks over in Corinth, because he went over there and he got them hooked up with Jesus. And he said, now listen, I'm concerned about you folks. I engaged you to the one, Jesus. But I'm concerned about you that as a serpent beguiled Eve, he might also talk to you. And you be taken away, listen carefully, from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, 2, and 3. Very good verses to keep us focused. Now, you know, when you think about the first Adam, he got a deep sleep. God said it wasn't good for him to be alone. Adam, remember, Genesis. And so God put a deep sleep on him, opened up his side, <laughs> took out a rib or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, when he woke up, there was Eve. And then God gave him a commission. It's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, 28. And he says, now do this. You have to multiply, have dominion over the fish, over the birds, over everything, over every creeping thing too, over everything, and multiply and replenish and fill up the earth. But an angel had fallen, a rebellious angel who's around today. His name is Lucifer. A third of the angels came down with him. And he appeared to Eve in the form of a winged serpent. He had wings. He was in the tree. He was a beautiful creature. He appeared to her that way. He can change forms, you know. He's one of those. He can transform himself into an angel of light. He appeared to her and he talked to her and he told her, you won't die. This won't happen. He deceived her and she died. And you all know the story. And Adam came along and he wasn't deceived and he willingly committed treason. And we all ended up in this condition. But listen to me carefully. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, and we can miss the scripture so easily. It's over in John chapter 19. You see, the religious people, it was a holy day when Jesus and the other two were crucified, and the religious people had gone to Pilate and said, we don't want these ugly bodies hanging on these uh, crosses because we have a holy day. Could you please break their legs, take them down, and throw them in the dump? That's where they went. They didn't give people burials. They went to Gehenna. They threw them over there in the trash dump. They broke their legs so they wouldn't get away if they weren't dead. And so the one on the left, they broke his leg. And the one on the right of Jesus, they broke his leg. Now listen carefully. But in John chapter 19, when the soldier who was under the authority of the Romans and uh, at the request of the religious people, when the soldier saw that Jesus was already dead, he fulfilled scripture unknowingly, broke no bones, but pierced his side with a spear. And two things came out. What were they? Blood and water. Now when the blood of Jesus came to your, you know, we're just dirt, we're just mud. When the blood of Jesus came on your mud, you see, Jesus was in a deep sleep. He died on the cross. He's in a deep sleep. But his blood, when his blood reached you, it justified and made righteous your fallen state just by faith in the blood. And when the water of the word began to wash and transform you, you see, by the washing of the water of the word. So it's the blood and the water that's forming the bride. And the blood never loses its power. It's not just that we get the blood the first time and we get saved from sin, but it's the blood, it's the blood, it's the blood, it's the blood. You gotta stay under the blood and I gotta stay under the blood. We gotta live under the blood. Any little opening in your mind or in your actions, you gotta get it under the blood. I'm so glad you're taking communion. I told Sue this morning, we're going to take communion every day, every day, every day. Because every day when we take communion, we're staying under the blood. 
stay under the blood. Now, the, the bread, of course, is, 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 is symbolic. It, 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 it is the water that came out of his side. The washing of the water of the word. You see, the blood justifies, but the water sanctifies. And you've got to have them both. You've got to have them both. If you just got the blood, but you don't have the water, if you just read your Bible occasionally, or if you just come on Sunday morning, or if you're just a, a light word person, you're likely to mess up. Because we're coming into really troubled times. We're coming into troubled times. I'm going to tell you again, we're in troubled times, but we're coming into really troubled times. And you and I are going to be more than conquerors. If we say, come on. Yeah. But let me tell you, it's not just automatic. You and I are going to be more than conquerors. If we stay under the blood, if we keep washing in the water of the word, but there's a third one. It's the fire. Because you see, without the fire of the Holy Spirit, the fire purifies. The blood justifies, the water sanctifies, but the fire purifies. The f yes, come on, that's right. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. Baptism of fire. John the Baptist was out baptizing folks, you know, and Jesus came to him to get baptized. And, uh, and, and John prophesied. And he said, the one that comes after me, Matthew chapter 3, he said, the one that comes after me, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Come on, fire. We got to have more fire. Fire purifies. Fuego. That's right. We got to have blood. We got to have water. We got to have fire. Those three, blood, water, fire. Anyway. I was studying to be an architect. I'm a Kansas farm boy. But I left Kansas when I was 17, and I came to Southern California. Because at that time, there were 18 state schools, and you could study at one of the state universities if you were a resident of California. And I came here, and I worked for a year. Eventually, I was in Cal Poly at Mamona, uh, in Pomona, State school, studying architecture, working hard, not saved, really not saved. <laughs> I wasn't a bad, bad boy, but I wasn't saved. I worked. And uh, one day, I got a letter in the mail about 1967 and said, You have 30 days to get your stuff in order and report to the U.S. Army. So I went to Vietnam, and I came back from Vietnam, and I was so messed up in my person that I, uh, I got a job working for Libby Gas Company, a glass company, near Pabona. I came back here just long enough to get my passport and all my visas because I said, I'm out of here. And I got all my papers, and I went south. I thought I was going to go to the Amazon. I didn't know where I was going, truthfully. I knew I was lost, and I only knew maybe there's an answer. And to, to tell you the truth, I'm not going to, I'm giving you a trailer. Just, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> it's a trailer on the book. So I'm living on a beach with some Zapotec Indians. 
And I discovered they were lost as I was, way south. Uh, I said, this, ain't, this isn't working. I thought maybe these more down-to-earth folks had it together more than these gringos. <laughs> these gringos kill people. I mean, come on. I just said, farm boy that put this M16 and said, you gotta, you gotta kill or be killed. Come on, get with the program. That's a shock to your brains. Anyway, like, I went over to Mexico City. I got into a well-known university, bilingual university, Spanish, English. After about a year, still lost, Change my major to international relations. I'm really going to go quickly here because I, I don't want to dwell on this. Read the book. <laughs> Honestly, it's not a promotion. We, I don't know if we're making any money on the book or not. I think we make a couple of dollars or so, but buy it anyway, you know. But listen. Oh, my. Well, I started living with this young woman from the United States. She was from Pennsylvania. Sue's from Pennsylvania. The other one was from Pennsylvania, too. Uh, well, I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe in the devil. But she was a professional Satanist. She worshiped Satan. She was connected with others who worshiped Satan. And she was so subtle that you never would have known. She didn't wear, she didn't have horns. She didn't wear, she didn't wear a pointed hat. She did have two cats, which kind of amazed me. <laughs> I was wondering, what are we doing with these cats? But we started living together. I moved, you know, we were living together, six months. And she was working me. She was trying to make a devil out of me. She was discipling me without me even knowing. You see, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, we speak with great plainness. But the Satanists, they work with very subtly, very indirectly. So she was subtly working with me. And then one evening, it was a Saturday. You old folks remember the the uh, Black Sabbath group, you know, the rock group, Black Sabbath. It was a Black Sabbath, but you know, I was just dev, dumb, and stupid. And so I was invited to a pizza party. Watch out for pizza parties. Now I'm telling you, it's a key word. It's a code word. Hillary went to a pizza party. Look it up. Mrs. Clinton. But anyway, she has them, excuse me. But listen, I went, and others were sitting around the table. They were all Satanist. I was a sacrifice. It was a black Sabbath. And I drank the Kool-Aid, literally Kool-Aid. They drank the Kool-Aid, I drank the Kool-Aid. And they did what's called a black Sabbath, in Spanish, Misa Negra. And they didn't tell me, you know, one, two, three, the steps. Oh, I'll be good. <clears throat> but the, the program was, I was to get across the line and yield to the devil and get a demon inside. Just like you've got to get born again if you're going to be a Christian. If you're going to be one of them, you've got to get power. One goes in, then another, then another, then another, and you get a bunch around you, too. I didn't yield, but it got very violent. They said, you'll never get out. 
will kill you. And they did. They actually did. I fled from Mexico at the help of an instructor of the school, and I won't tell you the details. They followed me. I'll be good. Speak up. They would call me up and they would say, you're going to die and the doctor can't help you. Fear. 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 Would you say the word fear with me, please? God has not given us nowadays the spirit of fear. Would you get over it? Get over it. Stop it. Now I'm prophesying to you. Stop it. You can live under it or you can get out of it. Now that seems really extreme, but I'm exhorting you. I'm rebuking you. Get out of it. Unless you want to die. If you want to submit to all of it, everything you hear on the news, well then just do it. But we're in another kingdom, folks. And you got to choose who you're going to listen to and who you're going to believe. I tell you what, no offense, but I stopped listening to Fox News. They were messing up my brains. They're bought off, just like the rest of them. And you can live under that propaganda, and you can get all messed up if you want to, but we got another source. We're in another kingdom. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I love you. But if you live under that fear, it's going to kill you. I'm telling you, it was killing me. I lost 45 pounds. I came back from the arm. I've been, a, I was dying. And they were cursing me. They were cursing me. It's real. They got the power on the other side. They were cursing me to death. And they said, we got candles burning for you. You're going to doctor. See, look, I didn't accept the deal. I didn't come across the line to become a recruit of Satan. But they said, because you didn't, you'll never get away. And even if they would have killed me, and I would have gone to hell, I never would have gotten away. They'd have had me. You understand? I could write a whole nother book on one week running, hiding, trying to get out of Mexico City, and they tried to kill me time and time again. I have no reason to lie to you. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's so important that I'm going to repeat it three times. They were doing the Black Sabbath thing. And yeah, I was a little drugged. Because they had to drug me to try to get my soul to yield. But they told me, now listen carefully, I'm going to tell you three times. This was 53 years ago. And they said to me, if you do it, you're going to be part of the new world order. I said, new world order? Never heard of that one. I'm going to say it again. 
They said, you will be a part of the New World Order if you take this step. I'm going to say it again. They said, you'll be a part of the New World Order. Get a demon inside of you, become a diplomat, get into legal positions in the government. They're everywhere. They're demonized. And the reason they're changing the laws and doing crazy things is because they work for the devil. I could have been one of them. I'm telling you the truth. They're everywhere. They're in entertainment. They're in the government. They're in the medical field. We are preparing for a new world order. When the Twin Towers fell, if anybody was listening, President Bush said this, we will have the new world order. And if you want to understand what all this craziness is about, because you can say in your how is it possible that my taxes can help pay for a young man in his adolescences to become a young girl? Why do my taxes have to pay for that? That's crazy. Come on. What's wrong here? Something's wrong. And you go, wait a minute. Why do little children three years old It's everywhere. You know what they do in Mexico? In our textbooks, in the first, all children three years of age have to go to kindergarten. And in the three-year-old textbook, a mother is pictured, she's going to have a baby. Baby. The little boy is standing here, and the little boy says to the mommy, it's all in Spanish, mommy, will I have a baby girl? Or baby, or baby brother? Will I have a baby sister or a baby brother? The mama says, it will decide when it is born. That's it. You know what it's all about? Destroy the image. We were created man and woman in his image. Destroy the image. Destroy the family, destroy the image. Now listen. So anyway, the New World Order people who were demonized, you know what they do? They travel out of their body. The ones that are really, you know, developed. They connect with principalities and powers. Principalities and powers say to them what to do. They come back down and do that they're supposed to do. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with principalities and powers. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Governments are being guided by principalities and powers by a fallen angel. Listen, when the president of Mexico this one right now was ordained to be the president. You know who stood at his side? Very famous warlock, very famous satan satanist. 
And now our president of Mexico travels around without security. He says, I don't need it. I got flu, I got this guy. Anybody does something wrong, we don't use bullets anymore. Dead. You've heard of holy death? So anyway, I was losing weight. I was really scared. They were killing me. I didn't know Jesus. I left Mexico, left everything. I was in Irving, Texas. My hair died. I had a pain in my side. And my urine had turned brown. I'm going, something ain't right. And I walked into a store. And there was a man and his daughter. Recently saved and spirit-filled with the Holy Ghost. And the young daughter said, Father, you ought to talk to that young man. And so he tried to talk to me. I couldn't understand the gospel. I was gospel hard. My mother was a religious lady. I respect her to this day. I was baptized when I was 12. I got a plaque on my wall and I got wet. That's it. And about three years later, I got really rebellious. It was religion. So they were killing me. And God was so good. And the man, his name is Charles McGee, the Christian who talked to me, he said, you're going to have to plead the blood of Jesus. And I went, plead the blood of Jesus. What is that? I was shaking. I mean, I was dying of fear. And he tried to pray with me. He tried to get me to say the words, blood of Jesus. I couldn't say him. I couldn't say him. Because I had to yield. With the Satanists, you had to yield. I had to give up. I was so scared. I couldn't give up to nothing. Locked up. But I was dying. And so he told me, you got to plead the blood. Plead the blood. I said, plead the blood. I don't know what it is. I can't, I can't plead the blood. But he was real nice to me. He did a good work on me. Took me to the doctor. The doctor said, you're in bad shape. I to this day don't know. But I, he must have paid the pain ticket. They put me on a plane. They sent me to Wichita, Kansas. My parents picked me up. Farm people, simple, good folks. They're in shock. They took me to the family doctor, little town. We can't do anything. Take him home. My brother is 10 years older than me. He just told me about this. 10 years younger. He just told me he was 15. I was 25, 26. He said, we all knew you were dying. He said, I come home from school every day. I see you just laying there. You just, my, my mom and dad knew you were down there just waiting. So anyway, one night, I saw three figures come into the room. I didn't see them with these eyes. I saw them with some other eyes. A big one in the middle. You see, there's death, and there's hell, and there's the grave. Those three. We've been delivered from death, from hell, and the grave. 
And I'm not sure about this exactly, but I think if you die without Jesus, death comes to cut the cord between your soul and your body. Read Ecclesiastes 12. It talks about when the silver cord is cut, the reaper comes to cut the cord. Your body dies. Hell comes to escort your dead soul to its place in hell. And the grave comes to escort your dead body to the grave. Now, I don't have a text that exactly says that, but there were three of them. The big one in the middle was the reaper. And I can't tell you what time it was, but maybe around four in the morning, this cold feeling began moving up, moving up, moving up. And I knew I was dying. I knew it. And I was trying to stop it. I was going, stop, 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 stop. Like, you don't stop death without Jesus. It just came right on up. It came right on up. And when it got up, about here, my soul went out of my body, disconnected, cord cut. And I started falling. It's really black out there. It's called outer darkness. And I'm falling, and I'm just as conscious as you and I are right now today. And listen what happened. I don't know how many seconds I was falling. But I heard the Christian man who spoke to me three weeks before. His name was Charles McGee. I heard him. The word of God doesn't return void. I heard him say on the way down for the last time. I heard him say, plead the blood. And and when I heard it from my soul, I screamed the blood of Jesus. And he jumped off that throne, grabbed me, his arms around me. I'm telling you the truth. For about a split second, now get this. Can you believe this? Sometimes I go, God, this is too much. But I know it happened. I'm alive. He, do you know the living Jesus Christ jumped from the throne and caught my dying soul about 30, about, about, come on, about five seconds from the gates of hell. testifying to you. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to tell you something that's not the truth. Why would I waste my time of coming to Oakland, California to tell you that? And when, what's your name, young man? Huh? Nice name. (laughs) Oh my goodness. When he let me go, I stopped falling. But let me tell you what happened. About a half second later, I felt the blood of Jesus flow over my soul. It was warm. It was still warm. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know where it came from, but it came. (laughs) And when it flowed over my soul, boom, I'm back in my body. You know, I didn't know the song. Amazing Grace. 
the hour I first believe, and the hour I first believe, my body is it is hooked up to Zoe. You know who Zoe is? Eternal life. He is putting life in every cell of my body. If the spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwelleth in you, it will also quicken, bring to life your mortal body. Boom! I was sweating. I was going, crying. And I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And let me tell you something. In the first hour, I understood more than I'd understood in all of my life. In the first hour, I understood the devil is real. He has a kingdom. He's going to manifest. And he invited me to be one of his workers. He tried to recruit me. He had his hand out three times. Make the deal. And something, I think it was a praying grandmother, would tell me, no, don't do it. And they would go, if you don't do it. And I would go, wait a minute. What is this anyway? If you don't do it. It lasted through the night, folks. And I finally had to climb up on a roof three stories high. Or they would have got me. They told me, they're going to find your body dead here tomorrow. Another druggie from the university. And nobody will ever know. I skipped. And maybe another five seconds. I would be in hell today. You know, I'd had to wait there in hell. Jesus will come. You know what it says? A thousand years after his first coming will be the second resurrection. Everyone that we let go to hell is going to be held there. Hell's not the final destination. Hell's the prison house until the day of judgment. Read your Bibles. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 through the end, talks about all the dead will be raised. This is after the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. You see, he's coming for the bride. Whom it's going to take her. They're going to be a marriage feast. We're going to come back on horses, white ones, to rule and reign on the earth. His kingdom will be established in Jerusalem. Come on, you guys. The new couple, the new Adam, the second Adam, the second Eve, the wise virgins. You know, there are ten virgins. Only five went to the wedding. Did you hear it? Be wise, virgins. Yeah, you know, I just was trying to honor you by wearing one of those things. <laughs> it's really hot, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, you never know. You just try to do what you got to do. So you know what? I got to tell you. So he saved me. He healed my body. He really did. I had the weirdest feeling, Steve. After God got me and he started healing me, about three days later, I had the weirdest feeling that I should bury myself. And I go, how am I going to bury myself? It was water baptism. He was witnessing it to my spirit, but I didn't know. So I'm not going to tell you more details about that except this. And it's in the book. 
but I think it's important in case you don't buy the book. Let's play like that this is, thank you, thank you. Let's play like, let's do it this way. I got to tell you this. I really have to tell you this. I wasn't planning to tell you this. My scripture for the day <laughs> is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 11. We'll get there if you want to stay. But listen, you know, I went to this pizza party thinking I was going to study Mexican history. And the girl that I was studying with in my class, she was a Satanist. I didn't know. Not that I was so good, but I just was blind. They had permeated that university. They permeated a lot of other universities. They were in the student body. They were in the administration. They were everywhere. And they were recruiting. So anyway, the night they're doing the Black Sabbath, I had written in my notebook, if you can just imagine with me that this book is my notes for Mexican history. And on this page right here, I had written Roman numeral number one, the economy, the economic system. Halfway down, I put Roman numeral number two, the church. <laughs> Never filled it in, left it blank. It had to do with Mexican history. <laughs> anyway, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. They are playing Mick Jagger's singing Rolling Stone's Symphony for the Devil. That's what they're listening to. And this young lady sitting beside me, she's got a metal fountain pen. She's doodling. And she laid her pen down. It had an electric charge. It was charged. And the demon said to me, pick up the pin, said inside. Everything's quiet. The whole place is just looking at me, about six other people. I opened my eyes and they're all staring at me. I thought, sometimes she laid the pin down. Everything's quiet except Mick Jagger singing, hey, pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. I was around when Jesus Christ was crucified. Hey, pleased to meet you. Hope you guess my name. Symphony for the Devil. Yeah, that's right. She laid the pin down, and this little demon started telling me, pick up the pin, pick up the pin. I'm going, no, pick up the pin. Three times it told me, pick up the pin. The third time, I yielded to the little demon. And I picked up the pin, and my hand drew. I, I, I studied architecture, but I'm not like this. It drew a dragon that had water coming out of its mouth. And down below it, it drew this ugly, ugly mask, like a mask over a face, you know. As soon as I drew those two figures, it was symbolic of something. They stopped the music. And some high priest of Satan started reading from a satanic Bible. And I'm hearing those words. Oh, and it's melting me down. And I won't go on. It got really rough. And they started threatening me and saying, if you don't do it, they were losing patience. If you don't do it, we're going to kill you. Literally, they said that. So being a little stronger than all of them, I ripped that page out of my notebook. I have no idea why. Just somehow God got through to me. I ripped it out, 
and I won't go on with the rest of the story, but I ran away. I escaped. Anyway, I got saved. And the day after I got saved, my wallet was on a little stand by the bed where I was dying. And I had carried that notebook paper, folded up for maybe three months while they were cursing me to death. And my first time I ever heard our Father in heaven. <laughs> I said, would you, I got the paper out, you know, got it out of my wallet. I'm looking at it. And I said, I don't know if I knew how to say Father. I said, would you tell me what's on the, what are these figures about? Because I knew they meant something. They meant something to you. He said to me, the answer's on the back. The answer's on the back. I turned the page over. It said, the economic system, halfway down, it said the church. This world will be united in a world world economy. You will not buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. You will not buy or sell unless you have a digital ID that connects you to the system. You can't buy anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Lockdown. The two seats of the devil. Read Revelations 13. The economic system. Everybody's trapped in it worldwide. Right now what is happening is crashing the economy worldwide. To do a worldwide reset. It's going to go digital, guys. Your paper's not going to amount to anything. It doesn't amount to anything anyway. It's just used for something now. Just buy some more stuff. Don't going to burn. The economic system. I said, wow, the dragon. Economic system. Yeah, I get it. I went, and then I heard his voice. Oh, wow. Revelation 13, 12, 17. I went over there. And here's this prostitute, great whore, riding on the back of a beast. She got a cup in her hands, filled with the blood of the saints. A woman and a beast. That's the other couple. You see, there's two couples. Jesus and the church. <laughs> the dragon and his lady. <laughs> Come on, you guys. We got to get smart. The other couple is trying to rule the earth. He's called the Antichrist. And he's going to be married to the World Economical Church. The World Ecumenical System, excuse me. That's coming. You saw the priest. You saw when Pope, you know his name. He got together all these folks. They were Hindu, Voodoo, ex-everythings. They're everythings. God is love. That's all that matters. Did you see that picture? Go online. Look at it. The Pope got together everybody. He even called up Kenneth Copeland. You got to come home. Everybody's got to come home to the mother. <laughs> Babylon. Babylon, the mother of harlots. So let me tell you something. Religion is the mask. Has no life. It's just dead traditions. You can get in it. I can get in it. We got to fight it every day. It's all about relationship. It's all about love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
listen to the Holy Spirit and follow Him. Or just go through motions. You want to do religious motions? They're dead! It's a mask. Millions of people trapped in it. They're dead. They don't know it. There's two big things coming. Worldwide religion. When you see the Methodists and the Lutherans and even the Mennonites ordaining lesbians, etc., this is the abomination in the temple. Not totally, but it's the beginning. So, you know, I was just a baby. I was just two days old or one day old. And I go, wait a minute. I'm not going to church anywhere. <laughs> Those religious people, and, and, and what about the economy? I'm not going to just work for money anymore. Anyway, that's the way I got saved. About a year and a half later, God sent me down the coast of southern coast of Mexico. And I really don't want to take any more time on any of that story. God, you're so good. I really hope. I really hope. Some of you were in doubt. I, I can feel you. I'm not sure this is the truth. Well, here I am. You'll know the tree by its fruits. We went south, but this time I went south <sighs> because there was a wind that blew us that way. It was holy. Actually, that video is old, and I'm not glorying except in the Lord, because sometimes I say, God, I don't know how you're doing it. But there's, we went to the state of Oaxaca because there's 17 tribes of indigenous people that speak 155 different language groups. And if you read the end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says, there's a vision, and it says, here are the redeemed from every kindred, tribe, tongue and nation. We've got to bring a people for his name from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. And they'll be standing before him singing the song of the Lamb. And we have worked with the Chatinos, the Mixtecos, the Muscos, the, the Zapotecas, and the... <laughs> they'll be before him. It's a people for his name. That's the name of the book. Now, you know, when I prayed about God, what are we going to do with Encounter Church? I heard in my spirit, 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, 1 through, wow, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I pray for you, grace. 
grace. I won't take you beyond what we should do because the Holy Ghost is good to you and to me. But there's this guy Moses and God showed up in a bush <laughs> and he called him. Moses had a divine call. Listen carefully. To go take a people out of bondage and lead them into their land of promise. We are brought out to go in. Everyone. There are individual callings. There's a corporate call. The reason for this church, Moses and Mrs. Moses, <laughs> is to take them out and take them in. Into the divine purposes of God. Not just in heaven, but on this earth. Because you've got divine assignments. It's really true. Y'all included. You see, one couple or a few couples can't do what a corporate group can do. I have the feeling God's still just kind of getting you lined up. Even though some time has passed. But I can believe that eight. There's a new day coming. You can feel it. And I believe God's going to give you vision, revelation, and understanding. You're going to hear the words say, go to that apartment complex on such and such a street and such and such a place and take these ones with you and break down the gates of hell. You know, when, when, when Jesus told Peter, he said, I'm going to give you the keys and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I really couldn't understand that very well. The gates of hell not prevail against the church. I just think, is the church supposed to go down? break the gates of hell down and I couldn't get it but you see people are living in hell on earth they're trapped in their oppression they're trapped in their ignorance they're trapped in their misery they're trapped in their everything their addictions and the church has the authority to go break the gates down break it down the church has got to be on the offensive we have to get orders, follow the orders. He will go before us, he will go behind us. You know, so Moses got the people out of Egypt. You all know, they had to, you don't get out of, come on. They had to put the blood over the doorpost and they had to eat the lamb because the death angel passed over. You don't get out of this world without the blood of the lamb. You don't get out of hell without the blood of the Lamb. I just told you. But even when they started marching, because you got to leave. See, a lot of people get the blood and they just hang out. They just hang out in Egypt. It's the truth. It's the slaves, same old slaves. They just got a different name tag. But you know, when Moses took them out, well, then they came to the next encounter church. They came to the next encounter, Red Sea. And they were, excuse the word, freaking out. 
here came, here came Pharaoh and all of his army to take him back. When you get out by the blood, Satan and all of his demons are after you to take you back. And many end up going back because they don't know how to get through the water. And some go through the water, but it had no meaning. No meaning. You got to read it again. Read Romans chapter 6 over and over and over and over. The reason we go through the water is because there's one who died for all. All were represented in one, and all have died. You have no rights. I have no rights. We're dead. In the eyes of God, we all died. The whole world is crucified in the eyes of God. And it's only those who are buried in water baptism and come up (laughs) who get an open heaven. See, Jesus came up out of the water in Matthew chapter 3. The heavens opened. The Holy Spirit descended. And God spoke and said, My beloved Son, in whom I were pleased. If you've gone under the water in faith, not just to get a plaque on your wall, or just because it was some religious thing to do. But if you've agreed, I am crucified with Christ, and you line up with the Apostle Paul, who said in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. You see, the reason Christians are hooked in pornography and other things is they don't know the truth of water baptism. There's some of you who should get baptized again here. But don't do it just because it's Baptism Sunday. You've got to accept the work of the cross. Not only did we get saved from the penalty of sin, we got saved from the power of sin by dying, accepting our death and burial in water baptism so that we could be risen in the newness of life and receive the fire. Come on, blood, water, fire. It's all right there. And we just stay under the fire. It's a fire the night, it's a shade in the day. And it doesn't lead us to Sinai now, but it leads us to Zion. Because Isaiah prophesied, and he said, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be established. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2, 3, 4. And he said, (laughs) many people will say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord because he's going to teach us of his ways and we're going to walk in his paths. When you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 verse 1 through 13 it says I don't want you to be ignorant how all were baptized in the cloud and they were all baptized in the sea and then it says they all drank of that rock which followed them which was Christ it says mercy surely surely mercy and truth shall follow me all the days of my life the Lord is my shepherd They drank of the rock that followed them, and they ate of the food from heaven. The plan was to take them in. I wonder how we can go here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are his workmanship. Each one here 
If you've been saved by grace, a favor you didn't deserve, but by faith you believed in the blood, and you've been born again of the Spirit, for by grace are we saved through faith and not, not of ourselves, then you are now his workmanship, a new creature in Christ, created for good works. And so the Holy Spirit speaks. He spoke to us, and he said, go do that. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. She's been following me. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Chatino Indians are in the mountains up above us. They were an unreached people's group. They were under the deception of the mask. They were under some deception called the Virgin of Hukila. And uh, there was not one saved person among all their tribes. But I saw a vision. I saw fire falling from heaven over the mountains where they live. Today, there's around 2,500, 3,000 of them that have come to the Lord a people for his name. But we had to break the gates of hell. We had to go. There was a bunch of sacrifice. Let's worship for a few moments. Maybe you can just uh, play something there or lead us. study that frequently. Next comes the parable of the talents. And Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is likened to this. It's likened to a man, a nobleman, traveling into a far country. And before he left to go into a far country and receive for himself a kingdom, he called together his servants, that you and I standing here today. And to one he gave five, to another gave two, and to another gave one. And he said, gain by trading. Now listen, Every one of us here have been given certain gifts and talents. Religion messes us up. We have to have the leading of the Holy Spirit that tells us what to do. But listen, when he came back to check with the servants, the one that gave five, 
he, ooh, he got a reward. The one that got two. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That, that scripture used to scare me, but it's a judgment seat for rewards. It's in, found in Second, Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, chapter 5, verse 10. And it says, for we must all appear. Come on, come on, come on, come on before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in our body, whether good or bad. That's why if it's bad, confess it and get out of the blood. If it's bad, come on, come on, come on. He's faithful and just if we forgive her, if we confess our sins. Repent, repent, repent. Get out of it. Because you're going to stand before the judgment seat of God, and so am I. And those of us that didn't, you know, we didn't, come on, get all the way through. Come on, get through. And confess it and stay under the blood. But use what you got. Now, I want to tell you, basic discipleship is everyone here should be able to preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, and raise the dead. Because he said the believers will do these same works that I do, and even greater. And Steve and Portia, we have a tremendous responsibility, those of us who are gift ministries, to perfect the saints so they'll do the work. All these people ought to be bearing fruit. How many souls are you going to get this week? How many are you going to win? How many are you going to snatch out of hell? Think about what I... Come on. I mean, seriously. Who's dying right now in this place, this city, that's going to go straight into hell, just like I was going? How many? You know, and I'm not manipulating you, please. we got to love him enough. Come on. I believe... Listen to me. I'm going to try to finish. I believe for everyone who will yield to him and really consecrate, there's a double anointing coming. When I say double anointing, it's found over in Joel chapter 2. First of all, there's a cry to repentance. And then it says, for those who will do it, repent and clean up. I'll send to you the early rain and the latter rain. That means what Peter and John and those guys had, you're going to get. That's the early rain. And the latter rain, boom, double portion. Why? Because, listen, Isaiah tells us, Isaiah 60, verse 1, 2, and 3, arise, shine. Come on now. Arise, arise, rise up now, shine. Your light, your light has come. The glory, come on, the glory has risen upon you. But it says, great darkness, great, gross darkness is covering the world. Gross darkness, like never before. But my glory shall be seen upon you. And when the dead are raised, and the sick are healed, and people come out of wheelchairs, you can't do, you can't build a building big enough. They line up in the streets. Father, I believe it now. Take hands here. You, you, Steve and Portia. I'm not, I want to be with him. Come on, Steve. You know what, Steve? I call him Steve. <laughs> Amigo Steve. I can't quite call him Pastor Steve. I just love him. Some years back, I was awake, 4 o'clock in the morning, I heard the audible voice of God. He told me, you, I know, he didn't say it like that, excuse me. He said to me very firmly and out loud, he said, you should not leave the word of God and prayer 
to serve tables. <gasps> he did. He said it to me out loud. Only three times have I heard him in my life out loud. Every time it's been really crucial. And I, like Moses, resisted. And I said, well, hey, well, but what about the finances? He said to me, seek first the kingdom and everything will be added. End of matter. It so scared me that I went away for 30 days to a desert place and hid away with him. By the time I finished those 30 days, I didn't want to leave. I said, God, I don't want to leave here. I was crying. Please don't let me leave. You got to leave. Learn. Stay with me. And so, Moses, Mr. Moses, you are ordained to get heavenly vision. Moses said in the book of Hebrews, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. And I know you know this. Vision's going to begin to come more and more and more. Heavenly vision. Do it this way, this way. Moses said, I was faithful to do everything according to the pattern showed to me in the mountain. Therefore, heavenly vision is going to increase. Therefore, come on, I'm going to say it again. Heavenly vision. These are the four ordained, hear me, hear me, Pastor Steve, corporate works. Some will come and dream. Some will come in prophetic utterance. But some will come in heavenly vision, open vision. Increase mental. And you folks, if you read First Corinthians chapter 10, like I thought we were going to do, don't murmur. They got out in the desert and they wouldn't go in. They wouldn't go into the land that God had for them. They began to murmur and they walked in circles for 40 years. That's called church services. 40 years going in circles around and around the mountain. But it won't happen here. You have a prophetic leader. And I don't know what it is over here, but I really believe there's something more coming to you. Yeah, that's right. It will be more gift of prophecy. It's true. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Think it not strange. Yeah. So, we worship you. And we want to do the things you've given us to do before the foundation of the world that's right he chose you he chose me to go and set the captives free that's just it it's really true and if you decide 
He'll lead you, I promise you. We got to all decide. I thought there was an altar. I thought there were several altars. One, are you washed in the blood? Secondly, are you really buried in baptism? Come on. I mean, really. I mean, really. And, and maybe you got baptized 15 years ago, but you didn't know what it was. But please, please, please understand. And are you really filled with the Holy Ghost? Because Pastor, Pastor Stephen Portia, we don't get out of Egypt without those three things. We got to have the blood. We got to get through the water. And we got to have the fire. And it'll lead us. And we'll be at the mountain. And God will give us more and more instructions. But we got to get across Jordan. This morning I was hearing a song, really old song. And it was by Peter, Paul, and Mary. Strange thing. Some of you aren't old enough to remember. But it said, I was hearing it. I was walking in the hall of the hotel. And I was praying in tongues. And I was hearing, the river Jordan is deep and wide. Hallelujah. Chills the body, but not the soul. Hallelujah. Crossing the Jordan is entering into the works God prepared beforehand for us to do, congregationally and individually. And I feel the heart of the message today is this. God's got a call on every one of you. Every one of you, individually. And I, got to, I would testify, when I was just a young guy before I married Sue and Sue, and you know, I went away and I, I set myself apart and I said, God, what is it? Show me what you want me to do. I was two and a half months up on the mountains of Colorado. I don't think you have to do that. But for me, it was necessary. And God showed me I was a missionary. He showed me some other things. And I said, who is my wife? He put Sue's face in front of me. I hadn't seen her for three years. I'm not even sure I knew her last name. Because I had to be equally yoked to do the things that I got to do. I feel, please, are you washed in the blood? I know we took communion. Don't go out the door with any hidden sin. Repent of it, please. Are you really baptized in the water? Holy Ghost. Now, Father, signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. He wants a people full of signs and wonders. I'm telling you, Please hear me. Please try to hear me. You know what your answer is over COVID? The anointing. Jesus heals the sick. I began to study John G. Lake. John G. Lake was in a, he's a missionary to Africa. There was a tremendous plague. Thousands of people were dying. He was carrying dead people on his shoulders. He was going into houses where he was finding the mom, dad, dead, three children in bed with them. It was terrible. Army people were dying. Doctors and nurses were dying. He never got sick. They asked him, what's your secret? They put the germs under a microscope, 
of the plague that was happening, the saliva and you know that. And there were all the little things moving around. He put his hand on it and they all died. The anointing breaks the yoke. Come on now. I'm really serious, you guys. I'm really serious. I'm not being religious with you. I'm not there yet, but I'm telling you, there's a greater anointing for you. There's a greater anointing for me that this germ of COVID, it'll die 10 feet from me. It'll just die. I'm telling you the truth. The anointing will kill the germ. Now take your vitamins and do what you got to do, but I'm telling you, it's the anointing is your breakthrough. Because listen, listen you guys, there's a world government coming and they're gonna scare people into it. They're gonna use scare tactics all over the place to get you and I to do what we know we ought not to do. And I'm telling you, it's the anointing that's gonna see you through. It's the anointing that's gonna break the yoke. And I know I'm challenged. I'm really challenged. Pastor Steve, I'm going, God, the gift of faith in me, I gotta, it's gotta be twice the size. We gotta raise the dead. We got people dying that ought not to die. It's not their time to die. We gotta bring them back. <laughs> oh, Jesus, are you all with me? Yes. You're gonna have to fight for it. <laughs> I'm talking about a greater anointing. We can't just think it's really, it's just an automatic, folks. We gotta fight it through. It's, that's how it works. It's alignment for the assignment. Is it all right, brother? Come on, fight for it. Come on, fight for it. She Oh, God, we praise you. Come on, we praise you. Yes, Lord. There's more for me. It will help you and me to see what we gotta see. There's more for you. There's more for me. It will help you and me to see what we gotta see to set the people free. You gotta see it. We've got to see. our eyes with us that we may see open our ears that we may hear seeing and hearing are very important those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God more than any other time in history I really believe we got to be led by the Spirit it's life and death for some in the time of King David, there were those of the tribe of Issachar, and this is a familiar scripture. They knew what Israel should do. They knew their times, and they knew what Israel should do. We gotta understand our times, you guys. Don't be confused. I know, I believe I'm gonna stop pretty soon. Just hang on a little bit more. We gotta understand the times in which we live. It's really simple. The economies of the world are being crashed to bring in a new world order. It's just simple, you guys, come on. Things are being broken down to bring about 
another. You see, in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel interpreted the king's dream. It was an image of all the kingdoms of the earth that were going to rule. The feet of the king of this image that he saw, go read Daniel 2 again, is the time we're living in. We're living in the time of the manifestation of the feet, the tentos, that is the final world government. And see, then the stone fell from heaven, cut out without hands. That's the second coming. Hit the image on the feet. The whole thing fell down. Jesus will come again. But first of all, don't be, don't be deceived. The final one of government has to, has to manifest. And over in Daniel chapter 7, hang on with me just a minute. We only come once every two or three years, you know. <laughs> over in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7, come on. The imagery changes. This time, Daniel had a vision. He saw four beasts. But the fourth beast, that's the one we're feeling and, and sensing right now. The fourth beast rose up, and it had ten kings, just like the feet of the image of Daniel 2 had ten toes. But of the ten, of the ten horns, which represent the United Nations' plan to divide the world into ten regions, come on. There was a, a little horn that rose up speaking blasphemies and great things against God, and he made war against the saints. Go read Daniel 7 again, please. That's the time we're living in. Persecution is coming against the saints. It is. It is. Come on. Go over in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He, the Antichrist, will make a covenant the temple will be built, and three and a half years later, he'll go in and take the sacrifice away in Jerusalem and declare himself to be God. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 6 says, Don't let anyone deceive you. The Lord will not come. Hear me carefully. I'm going to report it, repeat it twice. Until the son of perdition, the Antichrist, is revealed, and until there's a great apostasy falling away. Many people are going to fall away, I'm sorry to say. Get rid of fear. Get into faith. Many people are going to fall away. Don't fall away. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.